So hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mujer Canela podcast. I am Jay, a 23-year-old Latina living in Los Angeles, so let's talk about it. Uh, today, I'm joined with a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, and an overall badass, uh, Tracy. So Tracy is currently an undergraduate student at UCLA pursuing her degree in Chicanx studies, as well as gender studies. And recently, I, uh, she let me know education studies, which is awesome. Uh, she is a non-traditional student currently doing research on the fashion industry regarding fashion schools. So hello, Tracy. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say that it's been such a long time since we've like seen each other, talked I to know. you, and, and just through like just videos, like even how we're doing so now. So I just kind of want to get the conversation started. Like, how are you doing? Like, what's up? What is new? Oh, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for like inviting me to be here. I'm very um, happy to be chatting with you because like, you know, it's so nice to be connected with folks. Um, I'm doing pretty good, you know, hanging in there with being on Zoom University and, you know, um, other life things that happen. Um, but yeah. Awesome, for sure. So I know that prior to us meeting now, um, you were mentioning like your research within the fashion industry. Um, and I know that when we met, we actually met um, at Santa Monica College. So for those of you who are not familiar, um, at our community college, there was actually a program called Sister to Sister, essentially where a lot of community college women um, would go to a neighboring middle school and we would make connections with the uh the middle school girls that were there and majority of them would come from from marginalized and underrepresented communities and essentially what we were doing is kind of like demystifying community college and the college experience in general right but um as I got to know Tracy a little bit more she kind of like expressed her interest in the fashion industry and like all this awesome stuff that she was doing um, and at one point, she was recruiting a lot of us to uh, go to a fashion show to model, which I thought was like, okay, she's really out here trying to, you know, um, you know, do what she does. So in, in terms of that, like, are um, are you still within that area? Have you changed? You know, I have shifted gears. Um, I really loved it when I was when I was in it and by in it I mean like I wasn't really like a lot of folks think I was like designing and doing stuff like that but I was really just kind of like behind the scenes of things um so a lot of styling and like what I was doing like with the fashion department there was putting together like a fashion show and it was all like community-based things we had to work with a very very low budget and that's where I started realizing that you know community is everything and if you don't have those connections and the people there it's very very hard to do anything like you're so isolated and so at SMC the fashion department was so like removed from the main campus so when I was doing outreach and stuff like that I was like there's no representative or um, rep representation of the actual campus and so like you know when we were doing recruitment for the fashion show like for models I was like I need like I want to see my campus like walk that runway like it can't just be like these thin white tall gals that are always or just in general tall skinny gals which there's nothing wrong with it but it's like we need to expand that kind of like representation so that kind of like shifted a whole different gear and like now I'm like doing nothing nothing close to fashion but kind of like looking into how fashion works like especially with students um I really see a disconnect with um just a lot of things um so yeah so I guess if that answers your question like I really don't have any like connections in fashion right now but as far as just kind of like looking into how it works right yeah I, I think it's really interesting you brought up the point in terms of like wanting to feel within a community because I know at least uh for those of you that have listened to my prior episode my brother works in the entertainment industry um particularly within film 
And he got that job because of connections. And I just thought like, okay, that's interesting because a lot of people that want to get into these kinds of areas of industry, uh, whether it be fashion, film, music, you have to know people yeah. or else you're kind of like, like, excuse my language, you're kind of fucked, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also to, to add to another point that you said how there's like this disconnect between like um, a like a lot of the youth in fashion like I know that there's a lot of people trying to like bring up their own brands and stuff right um so in terms of that like how how do you think from your perspective like that's changing the the industry because it used to be like a lot of white male well-known names creating fashion but now it's like a lot of um young people and particularly people of color that are kind of pushing these new brands so like from your perspective like um how how do you see that fit with fashion changing over time well I think it's um changing the sense of like the demographics but in and also kind of like who we see and who's like trend setting and so what I also realize is people are kind of you know they, they see the the inequalities you know and you know, they talk about, like, I don't know, how can I, like, for example, um, like, in Vogue, like, the representation there, like, how can, how can that publication be um, since, like, what, the 1920s, and there's not any Black photographers, like, the first Black photographer, you know, it's, you see, so it's, like, I just don't understand how, and people are, are catching on to that, they're, like, okay, well, why is it that we only see a certain this certain type of person, and and or they make like mistakes like that's clear that there's no people of color making decisions, um like for example like there was this um, controversy well it's not a controversy but it's like um, Gucci um basically fucked up excuse my language um and they were like um, they made this like turtleneck that looked like it was like mocking african-americans and they had to pull it and and it's just like how those decisions wouldn't have been made if there were people of color or at least a black person in there um, making these decisions and you know we can talk about this diversity and inclusion but there needs to be there needs to be both and then there also needs to be like equity within it because we can say like, oh, well, we have this one person, but like, are they actually making decisions? Um, so that's why all these like really great brands are popping up because they're like, no, nah, like we're going to do our own thing. It's like, you know, and then on top of that, the fact that, you know, um, people can bite off of cultures or appropriate rather um, cultures and that be, it's like deemed like, for example, like non-fashionable or ghetto or like you look at a Latina, it's like, oh, she's like a chola. But it's like if white people do it, it's fashionable. So it's like, you know, there's all these things that the fashion industry is like kind of swept under the rug, I feel like, or we kind of just accept it because that's how it's always been and we're not pushing back or rather um, the pushback isn't being put on the forefront like there's people doing that but it's not being like nobody's talking about it but we're talking about it now because all these like great little um not little but like these designers are popping up showing like really really great um diversity and inclusion and actually um you know like people are like oh there's enough on the market but no like we need more (laughs) you know like (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're good. Um, So I know that in LA, you know, there's been a huge history of uh, the exploitation of garment workers, um, specifically like within downtown LA, East LA. Um, What do you think about that? Because I know that that's been like a long occurring thing, but because now with, um, or rather uh, throughout the decades of immigration, um, and most of the time, uh, people who do work in these factories are undocumented and yeah. they're treated very poorly because, you know, they're threatened with their status. You know, they're, they're not citizens or, or residents. Um, 
and yet that I guess that allows these huge companies and conglomerates to treat them like shit and treat them like they're not human. So um, in terms of your research, are you focusing within a specific area of uh, fashion? Um, and by that, I mean like animal cruelty, um, the exploitation of workers, maybe even like cultural appropriation. Is there like a specific area that you want to go further into with your research or is it kind of like an overall? It's kind of, I would say like a little of an overall, but right now I'm specifically looking at like exploitation in downtown LA and how uh, fashion schools like FITM, uh, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, don't have um, a conversation about that. That's not something that's being spoken of. And um, something that I've learned that um, interviewing some previous students from those schools is that not only are they not being talked about about exploitation um, with garment workers, they're not being talked about about exploitation within themselves, like um, getting exploited in internships and um, kind of like that post-grad where you, you think you're going to get this amazing job because your school's like, oh, you know, connections and the name of the school. And, um, and then you come to realize that you're actually working retail, which there's nothing wrong with retail, but um, you know, we go to these schools to kind of, um, you know, move up and, you know, do different things besides something like retail, at least in my point of view. Um, and um, so, yeah, I just realized that these students are basically not talking, nobody's talking about labor. Nobody is. And if they are, it's maybe talking about how they can make a business. I don't, I really don't know. I just didn't though that's like something that really kind of surprised me um so that kind of thought about like post-grad um like what happens to students once they get their degree they get you know their cv and their resume set what happens when they're on the job market are they getting called back um so it kind of opened the door like to um like you know when you're getting ready for an interview and you're getting ready for it and like you know I need to dress like a certain way and it's like you know that whole um like if you don't fit into this box we're not going to hire you even though your resume is like amazing but then your your aesthetic doesn't fit our company so then what ha- like what's going on with these students like I feel like this little light bulb came into my head. It's like, oh my God, the dress code is a big thing. Like if you don't fit into like, I interviewed this one gal and she, she a plus size gal and she identifies as that. Like she's really into, um, you know, advocating for plus size fashion. And um, she told me she worked at a, um, she had an internship and this brand didn't have anything that would fit her. And, you know, she was, you know, using her skills and every time it's like, oh, yeah, the job opening is coming up. We're going to do it. And it never came around. So she just gave in all her time and energy and even got design stolen um, from these major brands to be left without a job after, you know, being promised something, working for free in an internship. And so that kind of made me, it's not funny, but like, you know, it kind of made me realize like, wow, like as somebody that was in the fashion industry, that was like advocating for like, yeah, let's get people dressed up. Like I worked at the career closet and the career closet um, got um, clothing, business clothing where like, you know, ties, uh, suits that are gently used or um, new for students that couldn't afford it so they would get it for free and be able to get ready for interviews um and so we taught them to tie ties and do all this stuff but then I started like reflecting back on that I'm like was I like perpetuating this like you know aesthetic that's like based off of white supremacy where it's like we have to be polished we can't wear excess jewelry we have to have you know they use code words like like this polished and they, they use that for, um, like, hair. 
And so it made me think about um, the Crown Act, which passed. It's um, basically prevents people um, with textured hair, usually African-American and black folks that um, are otherwise discriminated for their hair. And that passed in 2019 so they can work with their natural hair or protective styles, which in the past was um, basically deemed unprofessional. But it's like, who who dictates that? Like, where does that come from? So it's like, um, so I started like really like pulling apart my past in fashion and like what, what I was perpetuating. And I'm like, wow, I don't want to do that anymore. So I kind of want to understand where these dress codes came from and how, how they're holding a lot of people back. Because not only are people being held back because of their names on their resume, but when somebody sees them and it doesn't line up for whatever, I don't know what, I don't know what people think, you know, um, then they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to hire you, even though you're an amazing candidate and you have all this amazing knowledge, but we can't hire you because you look like X, Y, Z or whatever. I don't know. Um, Because I've had that happen to me where it's like, you talk on the phone and somebody thinks you're something else and then you show up and they're like, Oh, like you. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, it's me. You know? Um, like I, I remember after leaving, I worked for Nordstrom. I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but I sh- I'm going to, I'm, I worked for Nordstrom for 10 years. And um, after leaving, I took a year off. I was like, you know, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try getting back into like the fashion industry and the retail side. And I, I can't even tell you how many places I interviewed for and they didn't call me back. And I'm like, why? Like, my resume is amazing. But maybe I didn't fit into their aesthetics as somebody, as these, like, boutiques on Melrose. Like, what were, and this was, like, in, I think, 2015 or 2014 or something like that. Um, so, I don't know. I'm sure things have changed. Um, you know, five years, five, six years is a long time. And a lot of things change and I see it like going back into um, retailers um, you do see more Latino people, black people, um, you know, tattoos are shown, people have natural hair. So it's like, you can see it's like shifting the idea in retail, but we have, I don't think we've gotten there um, as far as like other corporations that are like, I don't know, but yeah. Sorry. I went off. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I <laughs> it, it was like good. I I really liked the the viewpoints that you brought up because, Thanks. like, to be honest, like sometimes when I go into these like very nice looking stores, like for example Nordstrom mm-hmm. or um like Gucci and stuff like that, and it's usually like not me myself, but it's like I go with friends or like family. Mm-hmm. I feel really uncomfortable. I don't know if it's just uh, me or m- maybe you felt this way as well, but I feel so uncomfortable when I go into a store and no one looks like me and they're just staring at me and they're like, oh, is this girl going to take something or maybe we should follow her around? Should we continuously ask her if she needs help? And that just makes me not want to, you know, be in that space. Um, I live in, in the West LA area. I'm not sure if you're too familiar with uh, with the Century City Mall. Yes. That's like around yeah. here. I do not like going to that place. Um, and I tend to go there a lot with my partner because he goes there to get his glasses fixed. Okay. Um, but I just don't feel comfortable because of all the stores and, and even just like basic stores like H&M where you'd assume, you know, a lot of uh, people would look like me, at least in Santa Monica. I know the H&M there, they're like more diverse. But for some reason here, it's like, it's just only white folk, white people. And I'm just like, I just don't feel comfortable shopping. I feel like every single article I like look at, I have to, I don't know, I have to make sure they see me put it back because I don't want to be misconstrued as someone who's like, you know, right? I totally um, get it. Um, yeah. I totally understand. I actually worked in Century City for a little bit and... I would go into the Nordstrom. Actually, I, I did a little test because I have very, like, I'm like, well, I used to work for Nordstrom. I know what the, I'm being one of those people that I'm like, I used to work. <laughs> I, I know how it goes, you know? Um, but it's like they know, they're known for their customer service. And I, every time I walk in there, I don't feel like I get it. And so I recently had this conversation with somebody. And they're like, oh, well, maybe because they're short-staffed. I'm like, eh. 
I don't think so because um, I remember going in there a couple years ago and like shopping and I wanted to buy some jeans and the one time I wanted to buy some jeans like new that aren't used <laughs> because I love thrift shopping anyway um and nobody like said hi to me and so I was like okay so I was like okay I'm gonna go to a different department and see what happens there nothing and so but then I see these two little white girls come try on glasses and they get approached and they get talked to but I'm not getting talked to. I mean, I don't have headphones in, you know, I'm like totally approachable, at least in my point of view. And then, so I finally go to the final department, it's handbags. And finally the woman asked me how I'm doing. And I just told her, I was like, you know, you're the first person that said hi to me. And she looked shocked, like, you know, you know, but it's, it's true. Like, you know, you go into certain places and people will not greet you and I feel like it's like well do you think I'm not gonna buy anything and that's that's what it comes down to they think that you're not you're gonna waste their time and they're well at least for Nordstrom I know they work on commission at least I don't know if that's changed but you know, if they think that you're not going to make a sale for them, they're probably not going to want to talk to you. And so that's why I shop online. <laughs> like, I shop <laughs> online most of the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had those, you know, I've been followed in um, downtown LA, like um, the Gallejones, the, um, what is it mm-hmm. called? Um, Santi Alley. Um, yeah. Gone in there, been followed. Like, literally, the woman's, like, right behind me. Um, this was when I was in high school, but it's like, you know, it's just never, it never goes away, at least yeah. for me. <laughs> so I know what you mean. For sure. And I, I know that you mentioned about a lot of retail workers working based off of commission, right? Yeah. Um, do you think maybe that has to do with like the way that they approach people? Because it's like, maybe if they were to be more approachable, that would make the individual buy more, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. Does that like have a factor based like on your experience in working well, with retail? Even if people don't work on commission, they still have like daily goals they have to set. So it's like, you know, yeah, maybe you're not going to make them. So like, for example, I used to work for um, another retailer reformation that lasted a month. I couldn't, I could not do it. It was at, the, it was at the, um, at the what's it called oh my god it's in culver city the platform Mm. super gentrified there and you know coming from being i grew up in west la um all my life pretty much um and you see the progression of the gentrification here and working there i really saw it and so that's where it was like kind of upsetting me so i had to quit because it was um uh, I don't know how you say it in English, but it's like in Spanish, it's coraje, like, the, the mm, yeah. coraje. like, I was like, why are these folks coming in here to my neighborhood? No, I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> you know, like, they come and like, they like talk shit about it. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, my parents are getting priced out of their apartment and like, you're coming mm-hmm. in here talking like all this mess about the neighborhood, but like, they've been here since the eighties, you know? And like, um, you know, even though, you know, they live, my dad lived in South Central, my, my mom lived in East LA, but they decided to relocate in West LA when they had me. And so, you know, seeing how much this neighborhood has changed because of like stories like reformation and like the platform, it just really boils my blood. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you can't change that stuff, but, um, yeah, working there, like, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought where this was going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're good no worries um so i uh what did i ask oh yeah the retail workers of like there you go <laughs> um it honestly i i don't think so i think it just depends on their personality um mm-hmm. and like the 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 culture of of the uh, retailer because some mm-hmm. places like i used to work for lush and that place was great like you know they get a lot they people talk a lot of shit about them of like being too friendly but it's like not in a bad way like we when I worked it was like genuine like we wanted to like chat with people 
um, you know, and sell fun things. Like everything smells so good in there. Like how can you not <laughs> want to buy it? Like it was, it was a fun job. I really, I really liked working for Lush. And actually, I worked at um, Lush Century City. Um, and the customers there, that's what made me not want to work there anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. I loved my coworkers so much. Um, but the people that work there, like, were kind of rude and, like, made me feel like I was their servants. And, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I had to. Um, so I feel like, I feel like commission makes it makes people more aggressive with each other like you don't see it like the customer will never see that at least in my opinion like from what I've experienced um but um there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the background because people are like arguing like oh that's my sale that's my customer and it becomes kind of like cutthroat but then when you work in a in a uh, situation where there's no commission it makes it easier for the employee unless you have a, a manager that's really focused on daily goals and they're, she's re- or not she I don't know why I said she but they are very um, on top of everybody of making those goals because it ref- it's a reflection on them and their store um, so it's just um, I guess it just depends on who you have because I've had some managers that are really relaxed and, you know, you couldn't even tell that we were like, we would make our goals, but nobody was like, oh my God, we missed it by this. You know, like I remember being in Nordstrom and like, you know, people were so close to making their goals and if they would buy stuff and I'm like, doesn't that like kind of like cheat the system? Like that's not really, then they would be like, well, I wanted to buy it anyway, so I saved it for it. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. You want to hit your numbers. You want to get a bonus. You're going to buy stuff. But then it's like you're putting so much money into the company. Right. They're like tricking. I mean, oh, the, I had a shopping problem when I worked at Nordstrom. I'm telling you, like, having that discount, man, it will. It will. You will, at least for me, like, I bought a lot of stuff. And yeah, <laughs> it's not good. I awesome. recommend it. <laughs> um, so, as someone who has been like continuously doing research within this area and is like very familiar and has even worked, you know, um, in a certain area of the fashion industry, like, what do you recommend consumers like myself and many others to do in order to be more aware and like self-conscious about buying clothing or like contributing to these large companies? Um, well, I think, you know, I think some of us have the luxury to be able to look into where, um, you know, companies manufacture and stuff like that. Like, you know, and, but then, but then there's a big demographic that, they don't have that time. They're working. They're taking care of their families. Um, they need to buy clothes. So they're going to go to, you know, Forever 21 or Ross. And, like, you know, and that's okay. Like, I feel like a lot of the times we're very, you know, we get upset at people like, oh, no fast fashion. But, like, how can we get mad at people in a society that's really based off what you look like? People want to follow trends. People want to, they don't want to look like they're poor, you know? So they're going to, they're going to go to Sheen. They're going to use Fashion Nova. So, you know, I feel like I don't, I don't want to come off as like one of those people that's like, oh, anti-fast fashion. Like, I'm like, no, like if you need to buy something, do it. Because we live in a society that's so hung up on what you look like that it may it may make or break your next move especially if you're looking for a job or whatever you know um and then also I think about teenagers like you don't want to get they don't want to get bullied you know I don't know how that works I've been a lot as I've been out of school for or high school for a long time so I don't know what their like trends or what that looks like um but as far as like those that are really into thrifting and um stuff it's like you know just Uh, invest like if you like don't like I stopped buying like things that are gonna fall apart like okay it's on sale okay you get your you have a discount but are you gonna wear it in a couple months is it gonna fall apart like you know when you wash it 
Um, so I would say like invest in, in certain pieces for your wardrobe, like get that blazer that you want for like interviews, like, you know, spend like invest in it because it, it's like, you know, people feel good when they look nice. Um, but at the same time, um, if you need to go to Banana Republic or H&M, I don't, it's all good. Like, you know, I mean, but if people have the time to be conscious, then, you know, thrift shop, you know, buy less. But um, uh, I would say, like, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Ross because Ross has a lot of really great stuff, but then they don't pay their garment workers. So, like, those are the things that kind of stick into the back of my head. But I have that luxury, I feel like, that privilege to be able to think and stop and be like, but, you know, my mom is going to be like, no, I need, I need this. You know, like, she's not, you know, I don't know. It's, it's totally, di- I don't know how to articulate myself in that sense to explain, like, what the difference is. I'm not saying that she doesn't care about exploitation. I'm not saying she doesn't care about the environment. But, you know, there's certain things that are on our radars that, you know, based on our lifestyle that allow us to, like, focus on that stuff. Um, so, yeah, if you have the time, like, Poshmark and Depop are really great apps. Um you know, Goodwills, there's so many, like, little, like, um, thrift stores, like, popping up here and there, and, like, people talk shit, like, oh, you know, it's because it's trendy, and, like, so what, like, there's so many clothes, there's so many clothes on this earth that, like, you can probably go to a thrift store and find something brand new with tags, and, you know, like, yeah, so there's so many stuff already that you can find at thrift stores and stuff like that, so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like look at my closet and a lot of it it's like a mixture between like thrifting, hand-me-downs and like stuff I've actually bought. Yeah. Um and I think it's like pretty funny because you know within my own family like my brother he um he like sports all this expensive clothes and it's like, "Oh, this this pair of jeans cost me 200 bucks and I'm over here chilling with my Costco <laughs> jeans." Like, I I'm okay with what I got. I don't need yeah. to spend that much money. But you um, know what's crazy? You said your brother works in fashion or in the entertainment industry, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like depends on like work. Like I remember when I was like in fashion and like doing styling outside of work, like I was like, "Oh no, I need to have these designer jeans." You know, like so it just depends. Like I feel like on what your lifestyle and what you do um you know for a living like that's gonna be like oh you know some folks need to like have those things but it's like so funny because like now that I know what brands are like you know from after like years of working retail like I when I'm on Poshmark or Depop I search for those brands or like a specific thing like you know you don't have to like I believe in not paying retail price like I feel like you can buy it on sale. You can find a discount code. Like, there's no need unless it's an emergency and you, you're pressed for time. But there's no need to buy something full price. Like, I believe like, mm-hmm. it's on sale somewhere. You know? <laughs> that's the motto. That's yes. that's the way to go. <laughs> and then, yeah. And even, like, I'm, like, I grew up on, like, thrifting and going to yard sales and, like, you know, like, I love hand-me-downs. You said hand-me-downs. Some of my favorite clothes are hand-me-downs from people. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess in terms of, like, uh, stores that you recommend, like, in general, um, are there, like, stores that you kind of have at the very top of your list that you go to first? Honestly, I don't. Like, I, you know, sometimes, like, I really, I really don't have a go-to store anymore. Like, if I'm buying stuff, like, I hate to say it sometimes, well, at least for clothes, like, I haven't really bought any clothes recently, Um, but sometimes, like, I'll be on, like, Target, and I'm, like, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes, like, I'll order, like, you know, a pair of, like, sweatpants or something, but, like, you know, there really isn't ethical, like, you can't really, what's, there's, like, um, there's like a phrase like there's no ethical consumption under a capitalist society or something like that mm-hmm. because no matter where like it's either fucking up the environment the person's getting exploited for their labor I mean there's so many things 
that I just, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to be like, well, what is this company practicing? But I do know that I don't shop at, like, I don't shop at Ross anymore. I don't shop at um, Forever 21 or Fashion Nova. Um, But if I find it at, like, a thrift store, like, whatever, I'm just going to buy it. It's at a thrift store. It it prevents it from being in a landfill. And a lot of people, um, there's a really great documentary. um, I wish I, I don't, I really wish I remember the, the name of it, but it basically talks about the impact on fashion has on the environment and, um, you know, the amount of clothes that gets thrown in landfills is pretty disturbing. And then on top of that, you know, our clothes that we donate in those, like, you know, those boxes that you see on the side of the road that you put, like a lot of our secondhand clothing ends up in other countries being sold per pound. And so, you know, by going to thrift stores and buying shit like that, it prevents it from even ending up there. Um, because I think there's like a big misconception about like where, where our clothes go when we donate them. Um, I mean, just like any comp- any anything, any kind of thing we're consuming as consumers, we are being lied to, <laughs> like for the most yeah. part. Like there's, you know, greenwashing, though, you know, where people think it's like freaking sustainable, but it's not you know I mean there's just so many so many things um but um yeah I really wish I had like a go-to place that I shopped but I I just I don't (laughs) Mm -hmm. How, how do you feel about a lot of these thrift stores because they're getting so much more attention from uh the younger generations they're just like hiking up their prices which kind of makes it people who don't really have um the money to spend like that on on clothes from a thrift store and a, a lot of the time these these like articles of clothing are like seen as rare or yes. like very valuable but at the end of the day it's like it's clothing people need it so how do you feel about a lot of these thrift stores like hiking up their prices to prevent people from actually being able to afford clothing where they couldn't somewhere else um, that actually really bothers me because i've noticed uh the prices at goodwill increasing um and the resale market is very, very lucrative. Like people, like you know, there was like this thrift con thing where people would come and resell things. I don't remember what like their price points were, but you know they were selling tickets. And I remember seeing it on Twitter, and people were like upset that you know they're selling tickets to buy used clothing. But then it's like, then I think about uh, Fairfax Flea Market. You have to buy a ticket to go in there. Um, uh, Rose Bowl supermarket or supermarket Rose Bowl Rose Bowl flea market. Um, also, you have to buy a ticket to go in there. So I don't I don't really see a problem with that. Um, but I do think like um, these, but then then these prices have been going up even before um, like the the what's it called. Um, this resale like the thrift got really popular like I've noticed it like at least like at least five years ago where things started going because I just you know my dad loves to go to Goodwill and um we make a joke he's we he's like oh I went to Macy's today <laughs> like, <laughs> Macy's. and so we have this like inside joke instead of calling it Goodwill we say Macy's and so he's like oh I got this great jacket at Macy's today and um, he's like, but it was so overpriced. And he's like, I still bought it because I liked it. But he was like, we were complaining about like how um, the prices were going up at Goodwill. But as far as like other places, I don't know because I haven't been out um, as much. But yeah, it just, um, it bothers me. Especially like if you're like trendy and like you're going into neighborhoods that are really not gentrified yet and then you're going in there to like I don't know I just it's hard to say because then it's like but then it brings revenue to the to them to that neighborhood so it's just it's complicated you know like as long as like it's still accessible to people um which I always think it will because there's just so much clothes there's just I mean there's so much stuff in this world like if you go into any store and you go into a goodwill or like any like there's this huge one i think it's called like um it's not the salvation army 
It really, really, it's like they have a doll. They have things for a dollar. It's like the it's like the largest thrift store in LA. I can't remember what it's called right now. I really, um, I think like St. John's. No, it's not St. John's. Um, but anyway, but like they sometimes don't sell stuff and they put things for like a dollar, you know. And so it's like there there will always be stuff to buy, you know. Like so, I think um, the resale market is fine. It's just that you know, don't take it from people that need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think going back to that point of, of thrift shopping, I've been seeing this kind of concern um, throughout like TikTok or Instagram or just social media in general about a lot of people who are plus size who can't find plus size clothing because a lot of the time these like very thin white people uh usually females girls um grab this clothing when you know a smaller size would suit them just fine so i i like at least within like my own opinion i i don't like that for myself like because yes although i will buy a size bigger it's just one size bigger yeah um but these girls are like buying clothing that's like two, three, four size bigger than than themselves. But then there there are people who truly need that, and it's like, why, why are you taking up all this clothing when there are people who clearly need it, right? Yeah, I completely so. agree with that. Um, because you know, as a thin person, I recognize I have so many privileges. Um, going into a store and just being able to buy something, like if I, you know, spilled coffee on my white pants near somewhere like a random store like nine times out of ten I can buy on the fly like I don't have to worry like you know like I just and another on top of that um you know these retailers that say they carry plus size things aren't really they're not plus size they they're just average sizes so when it comes to thin folks going to thrift shops and buying oversized clothing and it takes away from folks that need it that that bothers me um because then on top of it is then their view these thin folks are viewed as fashionable and they get you know they post their photos and they get like all these likes and you know they're influencing and um but can a plus size person do that like are they deemed um fashionable um, and while while that is like getting better in the sense of like representation and inclusion, um, there still needs a there's, there's a lot of work to be done um, because I mean you know people are like oh yeah size sixteen but there's folks that uh, are bigger than size sixteen like it's not it's just you can just see the privilege like that people have like when it comes to um like fashion like like I don't know like you know I've had this conversation not this conversation but this like you know thin people they're like oh well we we get made fun of I'm like yeah but it's not the same um Mm -hmm. you know thin folks are like you know jokes about like I don't know being too thin and not eating but it's like the fat jokes are way different like I don't understand like how I mean, I guess it just takes time to kind of wrap your head around that because, um, you know, something people don't don't recognize their privilege, um, especially in the fashion industry. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to say about that stuff. Um, but then again, it's like I also can't speak for that community too, like the plus size community. Like I can only speak for what I know, you know. Right. Yeah. I feel like for me personally, as someone who has identified on both um, areas, like both being underweight and then also being overweight, like I I can kind of see the perspectives of both. But I think the reason why I can see both is because, you know, the way that I thought in terms of like body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. or, uh, or a lot of eating disorders, I feel like they're perpetuated by what we see. Um, in magazines on TV. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I had my battles with um, eating disorders when I was in high school. And, like, you know, being growing up thin and always hearing you're thin, like, that, people think that doesn't 
fuck you up in the head, but it does. You know, I, looking back, like, I had, you know, I had issues, you know. Um, I think I had, like, bulimia, you know, like, not, not, um, not, like, as severe as, like, you know, a lot of folks battle with it, but definitely looking back, like, I'm like, well, that wasn't normal, you know, like, I shouldn't have been doing that, like, binging and stuff like that, um, but definitely it is what we see on the, in the media, like, you know, what the images we get of, folks and like now it's even worse with like the face tune and like all this stuff and like you know I'm battling right now with like um you know uh, I gained some weight like during quarantine as many of us have but I'm having these moments of going back in time of me being a 15 year old like worrying like I'm like oh shit like I don't want to fall back into this you know um but then I'm like fuck like that kind of like fat phobia like is really like ingrained in me like I'm like oh no like I can't like I don't know it's it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird feeling um um but yeah I definitely think what we see in magazines and on social media really really plays a role in how we see ourselves um you know like I remember being even in my early 20s you know I'm I'm in my 30s now and I remember you know seeing magazines and like shit like I don't fucking look like none of these women in here like I used to want a nose job I mean I used to like I mean gosh like I mean I didn't even fucking I don't even know what I would do like they would just you know try to fit into these aesthetics you know Oh, yeah. And another thing, I used to not want to wear hoop earrings because I thought that people would look at me like it was like a chola or something like that. Like, I didn't want to be stereotyped. But now, girl, I will wear my hoop earrings to everything <laughs> and anything. Okay? okay. <laughs> because I love them. <laughs> and like, I look back at that. I'm like, man, my mom would always wear hoop, her hoops like every single day. And how dare I, you know, like have those thoughts you know um but it's because we get those messages of like you know you can't look a certain way but then it's like I started really like analyzing this and identity is a fucked up like you know we go through ups and downs with our identity but what I realized like man no matter no matter what I can fight up and down, like, against any stereotypes, but people will still stereotype me. People will still, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I can be in a full suit, and people will still question me. Like, yeah. what? So, yeah, just, um, it really fucks with your, um, like, how you view yourself, society, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that, especially, like, being a person of color living in like a very affluent area um it's it's kind of weird because I like to phrase it as like I am a poor person living in a rich area Um, um like and and I think that's true because like yeah when I tell people like I live in West LA they're like oh you probably like live in a house like no dude like I live in a one bedroom apartment with four people and I live yeah. in a walk like I sleep in a walk in closet like that's been my life for the most part right yeah and I think it's hilarious because like when I tell people like oh yeah I also go to UCLA they think I'm like this whitewashed person of color and I'm like no dude like it it's like you see you just see what you see you know these first impressions but it's not until you like sit down and talk with someone that you have to realize yo like a lot of people um I'm not saying that they're hiding who they are but maybe they are you know because just it's it's difficult to identify with others who may see you as different and you maybe want to like be like how to explain it you want to be um favorable in their eyes and I think that's like a very very shitty thing within society how we have to exactly um how we have to perpetuate this certain ideal that we don't realistically live well at least for my case and for many other people's cases Um, right I completely relate to that uh I grew up in Wasale I grew up in Palms like 
you know, since I was like two, you know, and I have always heard that more. Like, I remember I had friends coming from different neighborhoods and they'd be like, wow, your neighborhood is like really nice and clean. I'm like, yeah, it's nice, you know, but they would also assume that I lived in a house. I'm like, no, dude, I lived in this apartment. And like, (laughs) you know, slowly my parents and I were were pushed out, um, actually, you know, so it's like, I totally get it. Like, people think that just because we we are living in West LA that we have West LA money, but right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can go into like more like, but it's just like, it's probably too heavy to go into that. But I mean, gentrification is real, like around yeah. here, like people think like, you know, Palms is, um, Palms and Culver City and West LA in general is white, but no, there's Latino people that have been here for decades. Um, they've mm-hmm. just been, um, they're both invisible and hyper visible because they're kind of like being pushed out and the few that are left out, like left here, like they stick out like a sore thumb. Like I just think about my parents, like they still live um, in West LA and I mean, they don't have anybody that looks like themselves that lives around them anymore. Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah. And another thing, like, you know, people think like, Oh yeah, you know, diversity and stuff like that. But it's like, you're right. Like you want to change your appearance to fit in and, you know, growing up in, you know, these areas, like you want to look a certain way. You want to, dress a certain way it's like that self-internalized hate I mean at least for me um because you know there was moments where I was like nah like I wish I didn't look like this I wish I didn't look like you know like my nose like I was like I I wish I looked like um I had like a sloped nose and like whatever um and like you know like I just remember like looking back at that I'm like fuck like I was really really like battling with identity issues and so much so that I even like um projected it onto my brother like he like doesn't he's not gang affiliated but you know of course like any Latino male does when they shave their head they automatically look like they are you know affiliated in some way because of stereotypes right and so I was like really on on him for a while like you can't dress like this you need to grow your hair out, you need to do that, and, like, you know, looking back at that, I'm, like, fuck, like, I was really, like, blind, like, not, no, I don't want to say blind, like, I was just really lost, you know, like, to the point where I let society tell me, like, what is deemed, um, nice looking and not nice looking, like, but, you know, but that, I think that comes, too, from, you know, just anything like the media perpetuating Latinos as, as cholos and gang members. I mean, any kind of fucking movie that we saw, like, has a fucking gang member in it. Like, like that, that movie, My Family, it's a great movie, but it's like, why, do, why does it have to have, like, a gang? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it continues these, like, stereotypes um over and over again and they've morphed you know they've gone from I don't know like you know like that um, bandito thing like you know like that like more from that to like I don't know these like cholos to like now you know with Trump and you know the wall and shit it's just like yeah these different things and we're constantly having to push back against it um yeah so it's just it's identity is a yeah I just yeah so self-hatred is real and like I mean it's not that I hated myself it's just that I didn't want to be looked at as a stereotype like I was afraid to and now I'm like fuck it if you're gonna look at me and you're gonna think that I'm like some whatever whatever then so be it you know yeah 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 yeah. and I think like it's gotten very hard for me throughout the years to not acknowledge like all these very terrible things 
um, that are happening within our communities or perpetuated by other communities onto Mm -hmm. our communities. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would say like, oh, you just gotten woke. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily think it's me being woke. I just think it's like me not necessarily ignoring, but like to know or to be woke is a privilege right it is is. yeah a lot of people don't really acknowledge the issues that do exist within society until you're kind of you either experience it or someone brings it up and you kind of realize okay it's an issue but I've always kind of said being woke is a privilege and a lot of people don't have that privilege I completely agree um and like I feel like woke has gotten like negative connotations towards it Mm -hmm. um and like I feel like it's it's unfair for for people to be like oh woke people blah 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 but it's like no like we've reached a level of consciousness and it, it sounds very like classist and elite I battle with that sometimes like I battle with like you know sounding like that you know like mm-hmm. I don't want to come off as like elitist in any way right. but you know. Um, having access to higher education is a privilege and I view like you know I'm a student at UCLA and the numbers of Latinas there not you know and people of color in general not so high you know so yeah we're, we're in that ivory tower but like you know there's we're slowly chipping away at it and like I always think about that quote from Audre Lorde um uh, you can't, um, like on the tip of my tongue, um, you can't dismantle, fuck, it's like, it's basically talking about the master's tools, and you can't dismantle it with the master's tools, like society, like, I, I right, yeah, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think I'm saying that correctly, um, mm-hmm. so I'm paraphrasing it, so I can't quote that, I'm sorry, um, You're but good. I just think about it, because I battle with that, like, you know, what is actually, what can we actually do with, with the knowledge with, you know, from, from school and stuff like that. And it's, and it's just having these conversations with our friends and family. It's not even about like, you know, some people are like, Oh, te creas mucho. Oh, you think you're so whatever, so so Mm -hmm. whatever, because you're um, a student at UCLA or any student in general, you know, um but I think it's okay to like have those conversations because I think um especially like at least from what I noticed from my own family um Latinos don't really talk about these serious issues like we would rather not talk about it and brush under the rug um kind of like a hush hush thing um and so we don't ever have these hard conversations but once we have the like the consciousness sometimes we can have those conversations with our friends and family and I think that's important because then we bring what we learn in those institutions into our communities like we don't it's like yeah we can publish papers and we can do stuff but it's like really uh, what do they call praxis it's like we you know like putting it in putting it in motion like putting it out there like and people think it's like about organizing. Yeah, it is about organizing, but I really like the revolution starts at home, you know, like you gotta do it. Like if you have kids, talk to your kids about it. Like even like even with the folk with our folks, like is is never too late to be conscious of what's around us. And they are conscious. It's just that they've been on at least from what I've noticed um from my family it's like being on survival mode doesn't allow you to make time to actually see um how society is not functioning properly yeah um because you know you'll have at least for me like I'll have these conversations with my mom and she's like oh yeah it's like always been like this or my dad would bring it up and I'm like yeah so y'all know like it's all you know like so they they they're aware of it um so yeah I think um it is a privilege for us but it's like you know we're we're talking about it we're in our communities having conversations um Mm -hmm. and making it more I guess digestible you know because like I don't like to go in there with like all these fucking big ass words and like try to like explain it to them they're not gonna I mean not that they're like not intelligent it's just that they weren't they didn't learn that stuff, you know? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. 
you know, people move in society with what they have, what the, and not everybody was built the same cards, you know? So yeah, I always think about that. Nice. Yeah. So I guess um, leading up to the end of our conversation, which I wish we could go on forever. Um, (laughs) um, Do you have any maybe last minute thoughts, words, or even want to plug, you know, your information so that people can maybe, you know, um, seek out your wisdom, um, <laughs> but it's up to you, obviously, you know, like, um, whatever you want to leave, um, in the last few minutes that we have, like, please feel free to do so. And I'm gonna give you the mic. Okay. Um, I guess like, you know, I just feel like I just love, I love to talk. And so sometimes, you know, I go off on tangents. So if it doesn't make any sense or anything that I do apologize for that, but I also want to plug, I guess, like, you know, I'm starting to be more into my blogging, and I want to get more serious about that. So my Instagram is to live in style in LA, um, underscore in LA. Um, And so yeah, I mean, I used to write more things and post more, I haven't in a while, but I want to um, start documenting my experience as a non-traditional Latina, like, student, because it's, it's a very interesting, um, it's just interesting being non-traditional in school. Um, And also because I want to, I'm going to start sharing like the stuff that I've been researching in fashion and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope um, to be back and talk more about my research um, and be more prepared because I feel like sometimes like I go off into these different avenues of talking because you know, happens yeah for sure I'm definitely gonna have to ask you to to be back because I am like super interested in this research and 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 hopefully your blog is up sometime soon so I can check it out um but yeah y'all heard it here first go check out Tracy she's awesome um and I hope to have you back real real soon but other than that this has been the Mujer Canela podcast and I'll see you guys next time